0: Young people can be dismissed to go back <clears throat> to their class. Psalm chapter four. This is the time of the year that uh, I, any, I don't know if I'm different or maybe maybe you are like me. Do much thinking, um, much uh, reflecting, uh, because of the new year, the turn of the year, and all that. It's the beginning of a new year, so it's time to be optimistic. And it's a time to be eager about what uh, is coming, and that's the way I always look at a new year. But then in the past weeks, I've also, uh, as the old year winds down, uh, I think it's wise to reflect uh, what we've learned, what uh, we could have done different, what we can do better. Both personally and professionally, I've always thought that it was important to have goals, Uh, vision casting, and, and putting forth a direction when you set a goal, you don't plan to fail. Obviously, the whole point of a goal is so that you can succeed. It's a whole purpose to do better, to impact more people, uh, and so forth. This morning, uh, I'll be very transparent with you. In fact, I'm going to let you maybe in on some of our thought process and where I'm at. In fact, this is probably going to be a little bit more of a conversation than a message so if you wore your steel-toed boots uh today uh to not get your toes stomped on maybe uh maybe we'll do a little bit of that we'll see how it goes throughout the day today do well, I want to pray, start out with prayer, and then we'll read a verse in a few minutes here. Father, I pray that you'd help me today. Lord, you know how I have thought and prayed and agonized over this very sermon. And, and uh, you know how much I love you, how much I love this church and these folks. And I just pray that you'd help us uh, to have a common goal going forward in this year. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to strive to do better always for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen around july or august of every year i begin to pray and meditate about what our theme should be for the next year now, lest you think that our themes are just a bunch of words in a hat drawn out, and not so at all. I put a lot of thought, prayer, and uh, talk to different folks uh, as, a, as what we would do for the next year. It's a, it, the theme is always an area that I want to improve in my own life and an area that I think our church can improve as well. I am a, also a firm believer in this is true for a church, an organization, or a family. What you want, you have to campaign for. And you have to work toward it. You have to focus on it. I'll give you an example. In 2016, uh, we were looking toward uh, building an addition. And I'm so grateful that that happened. We're able to enjoy that every week. But there's little that terrifies a pastor or a church more than a building project. Uh, Building projects are, in fact, I remember looking back during that time, I remember the excitement and the Uh, enthusiasm that we had, and I I was looking so forward to uh, the time that we would be able to build. I would tell other pastors at at meetings, and I remember I was uh, specifically at one pastor's meeting, and I told one uh, older pastor uh, about our plans and what we were wanting to do, and with a very serious face, he puts his hand on my shoulder, and he says, I'm so sorry. I'll be praying for you. And I I thought it was good news I was sharing, you know, what what are we getting ourselves into here? Uh, There's a reason for the apprehension. Twenty percent or one out of five pastors quit after a building project. Uh, Many church battles are fought during a building project. My mind was heavy with those facts as I uh, thought and prayed about the theme that year. And uh, I believe the Lord impressed on my heart then uh, the theme of 2017 was Laborers Together. We talked about it. We prayed for it. We studied it in the Bible. Uh, we went through different series. And uh, because of that, I believe, and, and the Lord blessing us, God was very good to us that year. We came through that entire project. We had no fights. No one left. No one got mad. And, and uh, everything worked out great. And the Lord really blessed us with that addition. 2018. Uh, Was continue. Uh, We were going to continue the work, not rest on the laurels of a a big accomplishment, but continue the work and now a work to fill up uh, that new area that we had and uh, keep on going. This brings us to the fall of 2018. What will God have us focus on in the year 2019? There was a verse in the Bible that I could not escape. I just couldn't get away from it. Uh, The Lord had it so heavy on my heart. First Chronicles 4:10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my coast, and that thy hand might be with me, that thou wouldest keep me from evil, would not grieve me. And so uh, I I believe the Lord has given us that, and uh, that was the desire for, for my life, that my coast would be enlarged. It was the desire for our church as well. Now, I do not like when my waistline expands but I like when my impact expands, amen? And so I wanted that for me and personally, I wanted that for our church. So here we were, we were packing the place out most every Sunday. Uh, We had a second bus route that was running weekly. We were in talks of already expanding again for the second time in a three-year period. In fact, in early 2019, if you remember, we would actually approve the drawing up of new plans to uh, take the building out a little bit and enlarge the auditorium. The church had grown, but I wanted more. I believe that uh, the Lord would always like for us to impact more people, and so I wanted God to do even more, and we entered 2019 with the prayer that God would enlarge our coast. My, but how little we knew of some of the difficulties that lay ahead of us. The year began with the loss of one of the dearest ladies in our church, which was a shock to all of us and nothing something we could not have expected. And then in my own family, we, we took another uh, hit, a uh, daughter making some decisions that uh, broke our heart. And there's, by the way, there's no greater temptation to compromise than when it comes to your own children and to keep right, and to make the right decisions, and to uh, keep the standards strong. It's hard to do in a situation like that. But it didn't stop there. Uh, We lost another longtime member in Billy Bach, and and then the ever-dreaded church trouble began at the end of which we lost five families. And we do so much to bring people in that it, I just abhor the thought of losing anyone. It hurts. It hurts me. It hurts our hearts. It hurts the cause of Christ. I remember one day uh, I was just struggling with this and thinking on it and, and uh, just really distressed. Uh, I remember it was one day I was on my knees in here just, by the way, that's a great place to go when you're... Uh, distressed or brokenhearted get on your knees and you'll find out God will often do a work in your heart but I was just asking what is going on what what uh, what can I learn from this we were on track everything's going great the uh, people were being added the church had a spirit of excitement in it and now this you ever have a verse jump off the page and slap you Uh, that happened on one of those days that I was just begging to understand, I found this verse in Psalm chapter 4, verse number 1. Look at what it says. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. No, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Misunderstood entirely when I asked for our coast to be enlarged. This is not the way that I was thinking. Can I tell you something today, friend? There is a vast difference in a Christian's life between what we want and what we need. There's a big difference there. I believe it's the same, uh, that the same is true of a church. I had a lot, I know what I had in mind when I came up with the thought of enlarge our coast. I had in mind uh, uh, more seating. Bigger foyer, more room, more people. And God allowed heartache, setback, conflict. Why does these things happen? Why does God allow trouble into our life? We respond differently to trouble. By the way, can I tell you that uh, uh, that, that God will send trouble into your life, into our lives? And we respond differently. Some people grumble. Some people gripe. Some groan, some grieve, some growl, and a few grow. We need to grow in times of trouble. Trouble will never leave a person the same. Listen to this now. Trouble will never leave you the same. You'll either grow bitter or you'll grow better. But you will not stay the same as a result of trouble. And here's the thing about trouble. You've either just gotten out of trouble, you're smack dab in the middle of trouble, you're about to hit some trouble and I thank you pastor for that great encouragement amen but it's the truth that's the way it is trouble is one of those common denominators for every single one of us the Bible says in the book of Job man is born unto trouble Job 5 7 born unto it he also says that trouble is in our lives like the sparks that go upward It's interesting that intellectually, we know that we're going to have trouble, and yet we're always shocked when it hits us. We're always surprised. Jesus reminded his (coughs) disciples not to become discouraged. He told them, "In in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Trouble will be a constant in our life. But you know there is another constant in our life, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is no security against storms, but he is a perfect security in the storms. So don't quit. Don't lose heart. You're going to have trouble. Jesus has overcome it. What a blessing that is. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could always be on top of the world? Everybody would treat us the way we deserve to be treated. Circumstances would be favorable. As good as this sounds, we know that life does not come to us packaged like that. Of course, there are good days, but there's bad days, too. There's heartache. There's anxiety. There's uncertainty. There are bad days. There's clouds as well as sunshine. What about those days that everything goes wrong? Saw a comic strip, a Peanuts comic strip, where Charlie Brown is bemoaning his troubles. He said, I've got so many troubles that if anything happens to me today, it'll be two weeks before I can worry about it. You identify with that statement? Here's a fact of life you can count on. Trouble knows your address. And it will come into your house uninvited, pull up in your driveway, park its car, walk through your door without knocking and plop down on your couch and just make itself at home. Trouble will find you wherever you're at. As a Christian, we do a great injustice to others that w- when we tell them that becoming a Christian will make us exempt from troubles. When Job said a man that is born to trouble, he's referring to all mankind. Although none of us have immunity from trouble, we have great encouragement in it. The Bible says in Psalm 5015, Call unto me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee. What a blessing. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. How then should we respond to trouble? A couple of principles I want to give you uh, before we get into uh, more of the theme. But uh, principle number one, determine the reason for the trouble. Until we know the reason for our trouble, uh, we cannot respond to it appropriately and it will defeat us. God does not want trouble to defeat you. God wants trouble to develop you. Can I say that again? God does not want trouble in your life to defeat you. He wants it to develop you. So how do we do that? We take it to the Lord. In Psalm 73, it's an interesting chapter if you ever read that because it shows that David was just so human just like all of us. David was looking around in his day and he had a problem that he could not fix in his mind. He was he started to envy the wicked. He talked about how they were terribly corrupt and evil. They were filled with pride. Said in verse 5 of Psalm 73, they are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. So David saw these people, they they were wicked, they were evil, they had no character, but then they had no trouble either. It seemed like life was going just fine for them. This bothered David. He couldn't handle it. He couldn't come to terms with it. He goes on to say that while he looked and saw all their success, he was, in his words, plagued all day. He had problems. And I'm trying to live right. I'm trying to serve God. I'm trying to do the right thing. And I got all these problems. And here I am looking around, and I see the wicked, and I see the corrupt, and they don't seem to have any trouble at all. And this bothered David. You ever been there? You ever felt like that before? What did he do? In fact, verse 16, he says, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. He just could not stand the thought of that. So what did he do? Verse 17, until I went to the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. He took it to God. You better take your troubles to God. It'll help you with your daily walk. It'll help you gain an understanding. There's three types of difficulties that come into our life. There's trouble or difficulties we bring on to ourselves. There's trouble or difficulty brought on to us by someone else. And there's trouble and difficulty that God allows into our life. Now, they're differently dealt with. Trouble that we bring in ourselves is usually the hardest to bear because of our own ignorance and stubbornness. The trouble that others cause us, that would be the hardest to handle uh, because others initiate it. Uh, The trouble that God allows to come on us, that's often hardest to understand because we don't realize what God's purpose is in all that he does at the time often. Jonah is a good example of somebody that had trouble because he brought it on himself. Uh, David is a good example of uh, he had all kinds of trouble brought on by other people. Joseph is a good example of someone who had all kinds of trouble that God allowed in his life. Each one of them dealt with them correctly. God allows those troubles, and when he does, you can mark it down that he's either walking through the fire with you or he's on the waves close by. But Jesus Christ gets you through your troubles. Every difficulty that God allows in your life, at the same time, he's working out a solution. Number two, determine your response. If you don't respond appropriately to trouble, it will defeat you. Here's the thing about trouble. Trouble is temporary, but your response can be permanent. It can set you on the wrong direction. We need to respond to trouble correctly. Great spiritual success is reaped from seeds sown in adversity. We cannot always control what happens to us, but you can always choose how you will respond to it respond correctly number three determine the resources available in the midst of trouble did you know that as christians we have great resources available to us in trouble first of all we have the presence of god i'll never leave you nor forsake you jesus said numbers chapter one verse seven the lord is good or nahum one seven the lord is a good stronghold in the day of trouble he knoweth them that trust in him then we have the, not only the presence of God, but the promise of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, the Bible tells us we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to those that are called according to His purpose. We have that promise to us. For whom He did foreknow, He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Like the potter to the clay, God shapes and molds our lives. And guess how He does it? With trouble and difficulty and trial. How much do you learn when the times are good <laughs> not much it's like when I work out at the gym I mean if I got a little plastic air-filled weight and I'm doing this it doesn't do anything for me you add a lot of difficulty resistance to it it'll help me grow stronger you see what it's very simple it's the same way in life by the way don't get bitter about the hardships in your life those hardships made you what you are and they'll continue to do so Number three, we have the presence of God, the promise of God, also prayer to God. God moves in response to prayer. James 5.16, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In times of storm, the prayer closet is often the very safest place that you can be. Henry J. Kaiser said problems are only opportunities in work clothes. And we've had some opportunities in 2019. We've had some troubles. We've seen heartache, and then we've seen God bind up a wounded heart with new love. We've seen young people walk away, and we've seen other young people be drawn closer to the Lord and to their families. We've seen disruption in our church family, but we've seen God's people rally and continue. We sought increased numbers. I believe we found spiritual growth. We pursued a bigger building, and I believe we found bigger hearts. We don't always get what we go after, but sometimes God, in response to the desire that we have, does a work in a different way. I think it's a wonderful thing. Uh, as I, that's It's helped me to just settle that in my heart as I look at the fact that you're not always enlarged just by good things coming your way. Sometimes you're enlarged in distress, the psalmist said largely in distress I'm encouraging you today if you don't get what you want maybe just maybe God's giving you what you need I'm confident that in 2019 God did that this brings us to 2020 what will our focus be this year you see the banners found faithful found faithful. The text verse for our theme this year is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. The Bible says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Paul had reminded the Corinthians that they served a faithful God. In nine, uh, he said, God is faithful. Uh, he also said that God can be depended on in any trial. In 10.13, he said, There had no temptation taken you such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able. He encouraged them that their labor would not go unrewarded. In 15.58, he said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Why? God is faithful. Now we come to four, chapter 4, verse 1. He said, every believer is a minister of Christ, a steward of the mysteries of God. Then in verse 2, he gives us the requirement of that steward. The requirement of a steward is faithfulness. Now, you're not required to be brilliant. But faithful you are not required to be intelligent but faithful you're not required to be eloquent but faithful you're not required to be well educated but faithful you're not required to be beautiful or handsome you're called to be faithful moreover it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful I'm glad you don't have to be handsome or Noah would have a real problem to deal with back there uh, the great thing about faithfulness and by the way, that's the will of God for our life: faithfulness. The great thing about faithfulness is that is attainable. It is absolutely attainable to every one of us. All of us can be faithful. My challenge to you in the coming weeks and throughout this year: faithfulness. Found faithful. The goals in the new year—much is made of New Year resolutions. How many? Of you, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you have made New Year's resolutions? so far this year. The new year feels like a fresh start. Uh, You can turn over a new page. You can get rid of some bad habits. You can forge some good habits in your life. But of course, by the end of January, what happens? We usually start to abandon those new resolutions. We settle back in the old pattern. One person said that a New Year's resolution is a to-do list for the first week of January. Ever felt like that before? I like the ideas of, of, of setting goals. A goal is the object of a person's ambition. A goal has more of their eye on a, on a person or a desired end, an aim or a desired result. Psalm 16:8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. I love goals. I like setting goals. I like being around goal-oriented people. We ought to set a goal that commands your thoughts and your desires and your hopes. You ought to set goals in your life. If it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. Set some goals in your life. It, we ought to be practical in our goals. And I have shared this before, but I, I think it's a great time of the year to do it. We ought to have SMART goals, S-M-A-R-T. We ought to have goals that are, first of all, specific. Set a, a Be clear when you're setting your goal. Don't leave room for guessing. It's great to say, I'm going to be kinder this year. That's really vague. Set a specific goal. A specific goal would be to give pastor a weekly check. That's how you could be kinder. You know what I'm saying? Specific goals. That wasn't in my notes. Uh, The Lord, the Holy Spirit gave me that. So uh, don't leave room for guessing. A goal properly set is halfway reached. All right, set a specific goal. Number two, measurable. Set a goal that you can achieve in steps. SMA, attainable. Set a goal that's attainable but not easy. Keep your goals out of reach but not out of sight. Michelangelo said, the greater danger is not that our aim is too high and we miss it, but that our aim is too low and we reach it. Challenge yourself. Set a goal that's just a little bit out of reach but not out of sight. And then R, relevant, create a goal with importance and meaning in your life. The effort needs to be worth it. And then T, time-bound, time-bound, commit to a deadline. Open-ended goals tend to be forgotten. I'll give you an example. I'm going to read my Bible through one day. You probably won't do that very soon. You need to set a time limit on it. You cannot change your destination overnight, friend, but you can change your direction overnight. Set a goal in your life. Have some plans that you will do better for the Lord this year. Now, I always do this every first Sunday of the year. We're going to look at our 2019 goals and just revisit them and see what the Lord did. Uh, Number one, we had seven. Number one was unity. We cannot go forward if there are factions of agenda-driven people. Again, we saw this challenged in 2019, but I also believe that uh, we saw some of those areas improve as well. Add on to the auditorium. That hasn't happened yet. Number three, host a pastor's conference in April. We had a great pastor's conference in April. had over 100 people here, many people encouraged. Uh, I still hear about that. Even last night, got a call from a pastor who was uh, talking about uh, the a- conference we had in April, and I have again this year as well. Uh, number four, have an increased pulpit supply ministry. Uh, Pastor Forsberg and John both uh, preach all over. Pa- uh, John's preaching in Clark today. Pastor Forsberg will preach in Canton in a couple of Sundays, and-, and that's a great way that our church has been a blessing to smaller churches in the area, and that was one of the goals that we had. Uh, John- uh, that's number five, see Pastor Forsberg's ministry expand. You know, when I think about the Forsbergs here, it's a real blessing to have Mrs. Forsberg in our church, isn't it? Amen. We'll move on to the next one. I'm kidding. I believe that Pastor Forsberg is a great benefit to us here at Bible Baptist. Amen. He's an encouragement. He's a help. And he does so much behind the scenes. Uh, I, number six was souls. We don't want to put a number on souls, and we didn't last year, but uh, we should have a passion for souls. I don't ever want that to disappear. And praise the Lord, we had people saved, and we had people baptized all throughout the year. And then specifically, number seven was our theme, that the Lord would enlarge our coast, and we've already discussed that some this morning. Now, at the end of the year, the, the end of last year, did not look how I expected it to when we set the theme. Amen, brother West. Didn't look the way that we expected it to look, but God did a lot of things, and God knows best, doesn't He? And so we just submit ourselves to Him. I have high hopes that the Lord will continue to grow us this year. I have no idea what the end of 2020 will look like, but my 2020 vision is that we would be found faithful, that we would be more faithful. Uh, I want to give you these goals very quickly, and we'll close this morning. 2020 goals, number one, that we would be found faithful. Listen, it's always easier to preach on doing than being. But I'm making that change a little bit this year. I tell you, honestly, it's easier for me to beat myself on doing than being as well. It's it's easier for us to do a checklist of things we do than actually make sure that our heart is right with God. But the theme this year highlights that change in focus. I want to be more faithful. I want to be more faithful reading my Bible, loving my wife and my children. I want to be more faithful in prayer, witnessing to everyone that I meet. I want to step up my game, and I hope you do too. Let's be more faithful. Number two. Increased attendance for secondary services. And when I say secondary, I'm not ranking them by any means in importance. I'm talking about Sunday night, Wednesday night. I believe that we need, as Christians, to thrive I'm gonna give you a couple of biblical reasons here for it and then practical reasons number one two services are a pattern in scripture now there's no clear command in the Bible that says thou shalt go to church Sunday night and Wednesday night Uh, the Bible doesn't say that however we do have patterns set forth in the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, in Psalm 92, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises to thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Also in the New Testament, resurrection appearances happen in the morning and evening, John 20, uh, verse 1 and verse 19. Secondly, two services match the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, with the change from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, the Sabbath day has been replaced by Sunday, the Lord's day. But I believe that the principle remains for us to see. According to Genesis chapter 1, a day has both a morning and an evening. I still think that it's the Lord's day, not the Lord's morning. Amen. I think that that principle applies to us here. Uh, Number three, two services are sensible. As we look back over history, we find Sunday morning and Sunday evening worship to be the norm in most churches. In the last uh, few decades, that has been disappearing. Now, I have a question for you that is somewhat rhetorical. Do you think that less church has helped the moral uh, fiber of our society or hurt? (laughs) Has our society gotten better or worse? And while there was less church, let me ask you another question. Do you think more church or less church would help with the degradation of our culture? Let me ask you another question. Would you think that more church or less church would help you in your Christian life? What will make you a better husband? What will make you a better wife, a better parent? More church or less church? I obviously believe unequivocally that if we're faithful to the Lord, every time the church doors are open, uh, he'll do more of a work in our life. Now, practically speaking, uh, some biblical points there, but practically, it's the only way that we really can get a balanced meal, spiritually speaking. The messages are targeted differently in the church services. Sunday morning, you have more of a theme-related, right-living salvation-type message. Uh, Sunday evening, you have we put our focus on uh, the church and the family. Uh, Wednesday evening, we put our focus on Bible study. We go a little deeper. We do some character studies. Sunday morning is more topical. Sunday night and Wednesday night are more expositional, and I believe that we need all three. Now, if you come only on Sunday morning, and I'm grateful for you. I'm not beating anybody up this morning. I love you, and I'm glad you're here don't stop coming but if you come only on sunday morning uh i i really believe that uh you, you're shortchanging yourself and i think the lord would have more for you and so something that i believe you should consider and here's the truth of the matter here that i'd like to point out too you have within you the bible's clear two natures that are constantly battling together for supremacy in your life the Bible talks about them in Galatians 5, 17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, that you cannot do the things that you would. And so the Bible's simply saying there, there's a, for lack of a better terminology, there's a good angel and a bad angel, and we're fighting all the time. Now, if you're a Christian and you at least have moderately tried to do the right thing, I'm not telling anything you don't know. You've got a battle going on inside. You want to do this, but you know you should do this. And there's that battle going on. And there's that the the flesh wants you to do one thing. The Spirit wants you to do another. That flesh is evident in the buffet line, isn't it? You know what you should do, but you know what you want to do. That's all right. Paul tells us twice in Scripture we ought to buffet the flesh. Amen? So that's biblical. Galatians 6, 8. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Now listen here. How do we gain victory in the right and let right win and wickedness lose? The one that you control will be the one you feed the most. It's that simple. Now, I know that you want to come to church and get deep, deep truths, but there's a truth. It's not that difficult, but it's profound if you apply it to your life. Who do you feed the most? Now, read it again. For he that soweth to his flesh shall let the flesh reap corruption. That makes sense. He that soweth to the Spirit shall let the Spirit reap life everlasting. I counsel people all the time who, uh, saved or unsaved, that they spend... uh, Well, let's focus on the saved people that I counsel. They spend hours or most of their time around unsaved people. They spend hours a day watching television. They hardly ever open their Bible, and they're rarely at church, and they just can't understand why life is a mess. Who you feed is who's going to win in that great battle between good and right uh, right and wrong in your life it's really simple the flesh warreth against the spirit the spirit warreth against the flesh both are looking for supremacy who's going to win who's going to win is who you feed the most and i believe that that is a big part of why we ought to be faithful to church number three you need the fellowship you need fellowship Hey, you need to come. You spend all this time around worldly people, people that curse and they live wrong and they do wrong and they talk about it. We need the fellowship. I don't know about you, but I like to come in and fellowship with God's people. It encourages me. Encourages one another. When you come to church, don't rush out. Stick around. Just hang out in the back. Talk to some people and and, uh, spend some time fellowshipping. It'll be a blessing to you. You need godly fellowship. Uh, All of us do. So that was the second goal. Goal number three. Universal discipleship over the course of the past few years we've had uh, now we have finally gotten to the point to where every person in any sort of leadership position uh has went through or is going through discipleship. Uh and I think that's very important. Most members have went through discipleship. If you haven't, I highly encourage you to get involved uh with discipleship. You say why is discipleship so important? Well, because at Bible Baptist Church, we we only want to use and associate with and work with one type of person, and that is a fat one. We only want to work with fat people at Bible Baptist Church. Fat F Faithful, available, teachable. What did you think I was talking about? It's an acrostic here. Faithful, available, teachable. Well, it, it, and the first two make sense. Obviously, if somebody's in leadership in the, in the church in any way, they got to be there. So faithfulness is a, is, a, is a requirement. And then availability, you have to be able to do it. Sometimes people can't do it because of schedule or work or different things, and so we got to be available to do it. And then that teachable is so important. Teachable. And discipleship comes into play there, and that teachability. I don't believe anybody in their Christian life has arrived. Amen? Every single one of us ought to be teachable. And unteachable people do not take discipleship. They have no see, no need for it. They don't want to have anything to do with it. And so it's a great way that uh, the Lord shows us, uh, has, brings good people for us to work with at Bible Baptist because uh, we use teachable people. And, and uh, so I think all of us ought to be teachable. And I understand there's different reasons why uh, maybe you haven't been able to go through it again. Not beating anybody up here today, just trying to challenge you uh, to do more and to be found faithful. So uh, th- and then number four, and finally, so we've went from seven goals to four. Maybe it'll be easier this year. I don't think so. That I and that you would be more faithful in at least one area of your life. I don't know where the Lord's put His finger today of conviction on you. I know that as I prepared this, He certainly put some conviction on me, area that I can work on. Maybe it's reading your Bible more. (coughs) Maybe it's setting up a prayer closet. As said earlier, the safest place to be is your prayer closet. We were out in the garage a few weeks ago or months ago, and and my youngest son, were are working out there, and we have a pull down, uh, we have a pull down stairs, and then we have an attic above the garage. And we're in there, and he said, yup. Yeah. He says, when there's a tornado, we gotta go up there for safety, don't we? That's not where we go <laughs> in place of a tornado. We, we fix that, that uh, assumption. Where's the safest place to go in time of trouble? Your prayer closet's a great place for safety, just like you would to a basement room for a tornado. Go into your prayer closet for safety. <clears throat> this The goals this year, and I'll admit, they're not as flashy as some of the goals have been in different past years, but I believe they're infinitely important for us to work towards being found faithful. The Bible asks the question that when the Lord comes to earth, shall he find faith? you find it. You may ask when he comes to your house, find it. Faithfulness. In the coming weeks, and we're going to talk much in different areas in which we can be faithful. Areas that we can improve. I'd like to just ask you today, will you today commit along with me to be found faithful? That when the Lord looks at our church, that he sees a group of people who are found faithful. Found faithful, that's our 2020 vision. Would you bow along with me as we